we're talking about the consequences, the fallout from doing what you think is right rather than consulting with God and his word and doing what he knows is right. We're talking about fallout from going our own way, doing our own thing. Knowing what is right and not choosing it. There's fallout from that. You know, we live in a day when people don't really like for pastors and preachers and teachers to talk about it. But here at the bridge, we want the whole thing. We want the whole word. Amen? We want to know about the high cost of low living. So we're going to look at a man named Samson. We looked at him a little bit last week, but we're really going to get into his life more this week and next week. Let's go to Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 13 and verse 24. I'm going to read out the New American Standard. It's going to come up on the screen, but you can also look at it there in your Bible. Then the woman, Samson's mom, gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the name Samson means light or brightness or sunlight. Y'all might not know this. It's not in the Bible, but in my studies, I found that his nickname was Sonny. It's not true. Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child, Samson, grew up and the, everybody say the yellow part, and the Lord blessed him. So this mother is holding in her arms a baby that God had promised, a baby she and her husband had prayed for. We go from Judges 13, 24, and we back up in the Scripture to verse 5 and find out that when God told them they were going to have a little baby, he told them that their baby was going to be a Nazarite. For behold, you shall conceive... And give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, from the moment he's born. And he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Being a Nazarite was very, very special. It meant something uh, very, very powerful. It meant that as a Nazarite, Samson was going to be different. He was going to be sanctified. He was going to be set apart. Again, last week we talked about this a little bit. He was going to be separated for the explicit purposes of God. And there were some signs, there were some outward signs in his life that God put there so that he would stand apart as being one specially selected by God. Number one, he was not to drink wine or anything that would intoxicate him. Number two, he was not to touch any dead thing. And number three, he was not, and we know this when everybody knows this, when he was not to what? That's right. Not to cut his hair. He was first hippie in the Bible. These commands were an indication that he was a man spiritually empowered by the Spirit of God. He was a man, these outward things, these, these um, rules, these laws that God put in 
Samson's life were an indication that he was a man with supernatural ability, especially in the area of physical strength. Now, let me give you three things very distinctive about Samson. Three things. Number one, Samson was spiritually strong, and that's most important. He was spiritually strong. The prophet Samuel, as a matter of fact, let me just tell you, that even though in the book of Judges it doesn't say that Samuel wrote the book of Judges, you all know Samuel wrote first and second Samuel. Good. So he wrote those books, but most Bible commentators, most Bible scholars, most theologians believe, just for your knowledge, just for your knowing, that Samuel wrote the book of Judges. So Samuel the prophet tells us that the Holy Spirit would come upon Samson. The Holy Spirit would just come upon him. And he would be supernaturally charged with physical strength. A lot of people say that Samson's strength came from his hair. It didn't come from his hair. You would be mistaken to say that. You would be mistaken to teach that. It didn't come from his hair. His hair was a symbol of his physical strength. His physical strength came from God, came from the Lord. It was supernatural. His hair was only an outward sign. Now, the Spirit of God, this is important, the Spirit of God coming upon Samson and empowering him and strengthening him gives us a great lesson and illustration that we too need the strength of God's Holy Spirit upon us. And I'll tell you, he will strengthen you spiritually, most of all, most importantly. But he will also strengthen you physically. And the older I get, the more I depend on that. He will strengthen you physically, and he will strengthen you mentally. He will strengthen you in every way. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit will come upon you in the same manner that it came upon Samson. Of course, that was a unique situation, a particular situation. But it is a picture for us that the Holy Spirit is available to us. He's available to us. Seek the Holy Spirit in your life. Seek the control, seek the domination of the Holy Spirit in your life. He will strengthen you. He will give you wisdom in the moment when you need it. He will give you knowledge in the moment you need it. He will bring things back to your memory. He will comfort you. He will give you boldness. He will cover you and protect you. Pray for the Holy Spirit in your life. Pray and say to God every day when you pray, I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want more of the Holy Spirit's influence in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to dominate me more. I want the Holy Spirit to possess me, to fill me, to empower me. Don't forget how important that is in your life as a Christian. So he was strong spiritually, and then, of course, we know he was strong physically. How do we know that? Because entire armies trembled when he walked up. I mean, you can read it in your Bible. Huge armies trembled at his presence. On one occasion, he slayed a thousand of God's enemies with a bone he found in a field. On another occasion, he went up to the city of Gaza took the gates off the city, the hinges and the post and everything, pulled them up out of the ground, put them on his back, walked up a hill, and left them there. A lion roared against Samson one time, and he destroyed the lion with his bare hands. 
Now, I don't believe Samson really looked strong. I think Samson looked just normal. Matter of fact, he could have looked like Barney Five. I don't know that. But he could have looked like Barney. He might have had a little squeaky voice like Barney. You say, now, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, here's one way I know or why I think he didn't look strong is because later he's going to meet this woman named Delilah, and she's going to keep asking him over and over and over what is the secret of his strength. I think if he had had big muscles and bulging biceps, she'd have known where his strength came from. But I don't think he looked different than another man. So she was like, where in the world do you get that strength from? She kept asking him over and over again. His strength was not natural. It was supernatural. His strength was found in the power of God. Number three, Samson, we're going to find, was also strong mentally. When you study the life of Samson, you'll see that Samson had a quick mind. Samson was very witty. He loved a riddle. He loved to turn a phrase. He had a way with words. He had a keen sense of humor. In that way, me and Samson are alike. That's probably the only way, but in that way, we are similar. But here's the thing about Samson. Not just the thing about Samson. Here's a sad thing about Samson. As we read this famous Bible story, it's not a happy story. It's a very, very sad story. It is a tragedy. When you read the life of Samson, you read the story of a man who went from hero to zero, who went from victor to victim. When you read the story of Samson, it's like we see his defiance first or his dishonor, and then we see his downfall, his downward spiral, and then in the end we see his final devastation. When you think of his life overall, you discover that really Samson is a bundle of contradictions. Um, I'm going to say some things right here about the contradictions in Samson's life that could really be confusing if you're a new Christian and you thought you'd kind of figured out how things work. You kind of got God in a box, you know, and you figured God out. But I want you to notice something here. And as I give you these um, contradictions in Samson's life, I want you to think about how big God's grace is. How many of you know we serve a God who has some amazing grace and some huge mercy? Anybody need some grace and mercy? I don't know about y'all, but Millie needs a lot of grace and mercy. <laughs> She's home this morning, so I thought I'd say that. I thought it was interesting. He was bold before men, but he was weak before women. The Spirit of God was upon him, yet he often gave way to the appetites of his flesh. He was called on to declare a war against the enemies of God, and he accepted that call, but then he fellowshiped with them and fraternized with them. He fought the Lord's battles by day, and he broke the Lord's commandments by night. His name speaks of light, but he ended his life in darkness because the Philistines plucked his eyes from his head. It's amazing how a man could soar so high 
Think about this for you. How a man could soar so high, yet live so low. And at the beginning of his life, when he was developing, you would never have thought to warn him that he could sink to such depths. So how does that apply to me and you? How does that apply to us? Well, these facts about Samson tell us something about ourselves, and that is that there are three people sitting in your seat today. There are three people standing behind this stand today. Number one, the person you are. The person you are. Number two, the person you could be for God. And number three, the person you could become if you take your eyes off God. It would surprise you. Maybe it wouldn't, but most people it would surprise you if you knew the depths that you could go to if you take your eyes off God. And we're going to look at it here in the life of Samson. I want to say, though, from the very outset before we dig into this, that I think Samson died a man of God. I think he died a great man of God, and I expect when I get to heaven, I'm going to get to meet Samson. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, from the story of Samson, and we'll talk about that more next week, but uh, Hebrews 11.32 is that hall of fame of faith in your Bible. Now, Hebrews is that in the New Testament, but Hebrews in chapter 11 is just a list of people in the Old Testament who were great people of faith, heroes of the faith. And did you know in verse 32, Samson's name is right there as being a great man of faith. That should give you such hope. If you have somebody in your family who is really low right now and struggling, if you are struggling, if the enemy has come to you and said, you're worthless, you can't be anything, you'll never be anything, you should be able to look at the life of Samson and know that no matter the bad choices you've made, no matter the bad choices your children have made, no matter the bad choices your mate has made, no matter the bad choices anybody has made that has led them to a, a painful and hurtful life, when they leave this world, if they will begin to make right choices right now, they can go out a champion for God. Samson went out of this world a champion for God, though he made many, many, many mistakes. It just touches my heart this morning to know that my God looked at Samson's life and did not remember him for his failures, but remembered him for his faith and put him in Hebrews chapter 11. Isn't that awesome? I got to tell you, man, that just, that just makes me have so much appreciation for how far God will go to make us powerful in him. So when you thoroughly examine the life of Samson, you'll discover that the primary reason for his downfall basically comes down to this. He refused to listen to godly counsel, and he chose to listen to ungodly counsel. He refused to listen to godly counsel, and he chose to listen to ungodly counsel. Now, godly counsel comes to us in many, many ways. Godly counsel comes to us through the Word, when we're studying the Word, through sermons like this, through music like the choir and our worship team, 
much, much good and godly counsel comes to us. You got good Christian music CDs, you're listening to stuff on the radio, you're doing your Bible study, you're reading some books, you're reading the scriptures, of course, and so you're getting tons and tons of godly counsel. But not just that, the Holy Spirit just gives you godly counsel all through the day. So we all have that and we can choose it. But we also get a lot of ungodly counsel. We talked about last week the saturation of our society the saturation of our culture with all things secular, all things anti-God, anti-church, anti-Bible, and we just live in that every single day of our lives, so we get that too. And so we, like Samson, have a choice to listen to godly counsel or listen to ungodly counsel. Samson listened to the wrong people. Now, the voice of God to Samson, which is the voice he should have been listening to, to, listening to, came, especially early in his life, like us, if our parents were Christians, came through his parents. So let's go back to Judges chapter 14. We were there last week. Let's go back to Judges 14, and uh, we just kind of read through it last week really quick. We're going to kind of dig in a little bit this week. Judges 14 and 1. Then... Samson went down to Timnah. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that every time somebody's going away from God, the Bible also always says they went down. You know, uh, when Satan came to Jesus through the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross said, if you're the son of God, come down off the cross. Uh, Jonah was running from God. He went down to Tarsus. He went, he stepped down on the dock, got down on the boat kept saying, I'm not the problem. I'm not running from God. I'm, I'm good. He goes down into the bottom of the boat, goes to sleep. They draw straws, find out he's the problem. They call him up, throw him over the side. He goes down into the water, running from God, running from God. You're always going down. Big fish comes along, swallows Jonah. He goes down into the belly of the fish, finds an altar down there, repents of his sin, starts going up. Fish starts going up. Nothing will make a fish sick like swallowing a preacher. <laughs> so down, 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 come down off the cross. Notice it. You know, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they wanted to go back to Egypt. The Bible says they wanted to go down to Egypt. So when you're going away, here's the point. When you're going away from God, you are always going down. It is never a good choice to go, God's voice, the enemy's voice, I'm going to follow the enemy's voice, and everything will be fine. No, it won't. Never, ever. Then Samson went down to Timnah, where the Philistines were, the enemy of God, and saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, remember the Philistines were the pagans. They were the ungodly. They were the idol worshipers. They were the enemies of God. Verse 2 so he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman, woo, I saw a woman, woo, she was awesome. I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines, the enemies of God. Now therefore get her for me. Get her for me as a wife. That's a good decision. Go ahead and decide to marry her. Next verse. Then his father and mother said to him, here comes some godly counsel. It's not as strong as it should be, I don't think. 
Sometimes we parents are not as strong. I know I've not been strong when I should have been stronger. Y'all look really holy when I said that. (laughs) Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives, the Israelites? Is there no one among the Israelites or among our people, the Jews, that you go to take a wife from the uncircumcised or pagan or ungodly Philistines? But Samson, I think in a louder, more forceful voice, said to his father, get her for me. I love the way it just gets right to the point here. Because she'd be looking good to me. (laughs) That's my version. For she looks good to me. I love how the Bible didn't skirt around that. He saw her. She was pretty. Probably all over. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And he said, so get her for me. So Samson had godly parents. His parents had prayed for him. His parents were filled with the wisdom of God. But instead of listening to them, he listened to himself. Can we look at what the Bible says about listening to yourself? Look what the Bible says about listening to yourself. Proverbs 21.2. Every, now when the Bible says every, what it really means is every. Every, and man's, but that's not just man, men, males, that's humans. Every human's way is right in his. But we got a what right here? We got us a what kind of butt? Big butt. Got us a big butt in church. I feel naughty today. Y'all need to pray for me. Some Carolina fans are going to use naughty last night. Don't walk out. Y'all stay with me. But the Lord, but the who? The Lord weighs the hearts. Here's what that means. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but only the Lord knows the right way. You need to go. The Lord will guide your heart. Remember when Dr. Wall, Dr. Jim Wall was here and he preached for us on uh, church fibs and that sermon he preached on one of the church fibs is follow your heart. Follow your heart. I don't know what to do. Just follow your heart. The Bible says don't follow your heart. You know what the Bible says? Your heart is deceitfully wicked. Follow The Lord, he weighs the hearts. Look what Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. And this was Samson's whole problem. He thought he stood. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed. That means listen to God and obey God. That's what take heed means. Listen to God and obey God. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. What do you think the primary topic of that sentence is? Pride. And not just pride. There's another kind of pride, and it's all in the church, buddy. Spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. You know, when we think about pride, we think it's all out there, all those prideful people out there. We get all holy, holy up in here. 
And we stopped praying a long time ago, but we still think we up here. So then we start doing what we want to do rather than those days when we were humble and wanted to make sure we did stand. We were humble so we would read God's word and we would do God's word. But sometimes after you've been a Christian for a long, long time, you think you don't need to take heed anymore. You know, in the book of Revelation, it says sometimes you just need to go back and do your first works all over again. Do your first works all over again. I just kind of feel a preach coming on right there about that. Don't get comfortable in your spiritual walk. Don't get comfortable in your walk with God. Don't ever take for granted you're close to the shepherd. Because one of the good things the enemy loves is to get you to drift away from the shepherd and not know it. You remember uh, the Bible says uh, when Jesus was 12 years old that Joseph and Mary left the town they were in and were walking down the road and went two days' journey before they realized Jesus wasn't with them. How far do we go sometimes before we realize he's not here? He's not close. I wonder here today if you are assuming the nearness of God in your life and you haven't really checked, like Joseph and Mary went two days before they realized Jesus was still back in that town and he had not come with them, how far have you gone without him? How long have you gone without him? I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm just saying you just kind of stop depending on him. You press the cruise button. You're coasting. You can't coast. You can't coast. You can't assume. I love what uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 in the message I love this. Look what it says. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. This is important. This is very applicable to us, what I'm about to say. Because Samson refused to listen to godly counsel, because he stopped listening to his parents, because he chose to listen to his heart, follow his heart, because he did what was right in his own eyes, because he was self-confident instead of God-confident, he begins a downward spiral. He meets a girl who did not know the Lord. People get so mad at us here at the bridge as pastors. Some little girl from our church will find some good-looking young man, and he doesn't know the Lord. She's like Samson. He looked good to me. And then they'll come with godly counsel, and they'll want godly counsel from us, and we'll go, you don't need to marry him. You're not a Christian. He's not a Christian. You can be his friend, but you don't need to date him. You don't need to set yourself up to fall in love with him. You don't need to marry somebody who's not a Christian. And that sweet little girl will get so mad. And it happens the other way around too. Guys who love God. And I know loneliness is a powerful emotion. I know it is. But guys will, will find a girl. She doesn't know the Lord and they'll go, you know, but she looked good to me. And so they want to, and then they come 
and they want me and Scott and Sherry and Pastor Andy and all the staff to say, oh, that's so great. They're so sweet. And they might be very, very sweet. But the Bible is very, very clear about not only you not marrying somebody that's not a Christian, but you have to be really, really careful as a believer in your relationships with unbelievers. Now, I believe sitting right here among us today, there's some people who haven't believed yet, and I'm not trying to make them feel bad. But sometimes we are the ones being influenced in those relationships rather than us being the ones who are doing the influencing. Y'all with me? Don't leave me up here by myself. I'll come down there. You gotta be careful. That's what they're saying to Samson right here. They're saying, you, you don't be so naive. Don't be so self-confident. Samson, I know you picked by God. I know you're chosen by God. I know you're God's man, but you're not exempt. You can fall flat on your face, buddy, just like anybody else. And I know you're really self-confident right now, but I want to tell you something about your self-confidence, Samson. It's useless. What you've lost is your God confidence for you to want to marry somebody who's not a believer. Look in 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world. How much? All really means? So everything that's in the world, every temptation, every temptation, every temptation that's going to come to you in the world comes in three categories. It comes in three categories. As a matter of fact, we're going to go through those categories right here. These are the same categories in Luke 4 when Satan came to tempt Jesus. He tempted Jesus in these three categories right here. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Everybody say with me, I got a problem with that. Some of y'all didn't say it, so now you got to go, I just lied. Because we all got a problem with that. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. What is that? Craving for sensual gratification. That's not a problem in our day, is it? The lust of the flesh. Craving for sensual satisfaction. How many of y'all think Samson had that problem? She looked good to me. And the lust of the Eyes, what is that? Greedy longings of the mind. In other words, you see something that doesn't belong to you and you really shouldn't have it, but you crave it. You, you feel envious towards somebody who does have what you don't have. You feel covetousness. You look at things that you shouldn't have, but you long for them and they occupy your mind. And then there's the third one, and the pride of life, and that is the assurance in one's own resources. That's the pride of life. Don't need God. Don't need God. We got a problem with that in our society today? Don't need God or in the stability of earthly things. Let me tell you about the stability of earthly things. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the only thing that will be left standing when everything's over is the Word of God. Now, where'd you get that from, Pastor? The Word of God. That's where I got that. These things, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, do not come from God, our Father, but are from the world itself. 
the world system. Here's what happened to Samson. He fell in lust. He didn't fall in love. He fell in lust. And he decided to marry her. And his parents said, Samson, please don't do this. Why didn't they want him to marry her? They didn't want him to marry her, even though Paul was going to be born a long time, thousands of years after this, a couple thousand years after this. Why didn't he marry her? Is the same reason Paul said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Now, that doesn't mean don't be friends. Don't go out to lunch today with unbelievers. That, don't, that doesn't mean be a jerk Christian. How many of y'all ever met a jerk Christian? Don't point. You know, uh, you know my favorite cartoon is the guy standing at the gates of heaven and uh, the, Peter's looking at the book and he goes, yeah, you're a Christian, but you never uh, got that don't be a jerk about it part right. So, so this isn't license. And I've, te- I've heard people take this scripture to, to mean, oh man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm holier than that. I can't be around people like you. That's not what that's saying. We have relationships with unbelievers. We love them. Thank God somebody loved me when I was an unbeliever. That's why I'm a believer today. So don't misunderstand this. And if you're here today and you've not yet believed, we're not picking on you. We all used to be where you are. So we're not trying to say you're unimportant or you are less valuable. We all have been there. But you're not to be bound with them in the sense that They have influence in your life that is not godly influence. Do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness or have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So God commands that if you're a child of God, you're not to marry a person like Samson was going to do who does not also know the Lord. If you do, you're headed for trouble. Remember that a marriage is not simply between a boy and girl, but it's between two families. And if you marry an unbeliever, you're going to have problems, one being the problem of spiritual disagreement. Look at the book of Amos. Old Testament book, Amos. Look what it says, Amos 3 and 3. It says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? No, they can't. Samson's parents were asking, how could you, a child of God, Samson, this is what his parents were saying, Samson, how could you, a child of God, marry a person, create a family with a person who does not know the Lord? How could you do that, son? You know God doesn't want that. Let me just say a few things in a very practical way about why you need to be very, very careful who you are hanging with. Listen, let let me put it this way who you're letting influence you. Let's just look at a marriage, an unbeliever marrying a believer. You're going to want to attend church, and your mate who doesn't have a relationship with Christ is going to want to sleep in. You'll want to give financially to the work of God, and your mate who doesn't know the Lord is going to say you can't afford it. You're going to want to pray when there's a crisis, and there is going to be a crisis, amen? You're going to want to pray when there's a crisis, but your mate who doesn't believe is going to discount prayer or maybe even ridicule it. You'll want to raise your children for God's glory and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but your unbelieving spouse is going to work against that. Look what the Bible says, the book of 
Sol the book of Ecclesiastes, a word from the wise man, Solomon, Solomon 4.12, a threefold cord is not easily broken. So what is that? What is a threefold cord? Well, when you get married, everybody knows there's a union physically. Boy, that's the part we talk about, isn't it? There's a union physically. I told you all last Sunday it was a great idea. God had that idea. It was a great idea. Start saying amen to that. So we have the physical union, and then there's the mind, the psychological union between the minds. But then the third cord, and this is the one that's left out of many marriages, is the spiritual cord. And when the spiritual cord is not in a marriage, it is easier for those other two cords to unravel. And that's what that verse means. Pastor's not up here just being hard on you. Pastor's not up here trying to embarrass you or shame you. I'm just telling you. You say, well, I'm already in a situation like that. I'm already married. I'm a believer. He's an unbeliever. I'm a believer. She's an unbeliever. Then if that's already there, then you make that work. You, you work in that situation the best you can. But for those of you who are not married yet, and you're a believer, please know that these are going to be issues when you go. And then I think about the children. Children who have a believing parent and an unbelieving parent, they have a sense of uncertainty. They're confused many times. It doesn't make sense to them, and the children end up being the biggest losers. Here's Samson in lust, not in love with an unbeliever. And his parents are warning him. And it's just like trying to warn a forest fire. I love it. I love it when somebody from the bridge falls head over heels in love with an unbeliever and they's coming and they're so excited. I want you to meet and, and they're just so sweet and you know they want me to go, oh, this is great. And then I don't do that because God tells me not to do that. And then they go, we'd like to meet with you. And Usually we start off, we'll meet with one and the other, and then we'll meet with them together. And then when you meet with the Christian, you go, but sweetheart or, or young man, they're not a believer. And it's like talking to a forest fire, going, please go out. Because they've already gone too far. They've already made up their mind. Samson knew God's wisdom from Exodus 20 and 12, where God said, if you honor your father and mother, God will add years to your life. So Samson knew the old law. He knew the Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, he was in Judges. All he do, had to do was back up about five books. Right there it was. So Samson knew the law. We know the law. We know what the Word of God says, but we just go ahead and do what we want to do, and then we suffer consequences fall out the high cost of low living and then when the pastor preaches on that it gets really really quiet because we've all done that we've all we're all guilty of that think about that if you honor your mother and father god will add years to your life so you know what that tells me if you don't honor them he will kill you early there should be a sign over every teenager's door. Dishonoring mother and father could be hazardous to your health. 
So let me just give you some closing thoughts. Samson died a young man. This hits close to home for me. Samson died a young man because he would not listen to his mom and dad. He thought they were fools. And he did what was right in his own eyes. Samson should have been in the very prime of his life. But he suffered and died. And the reason he suffered and died is because he failed to honor the word of God, to honor his father and mother, and instead he chose what was right in his own eyes. Let's stand together.